All right, everyone. We are the Jocks of All Trades podcast. Uh, tonight, it is just me and Luke. Uh, Luke and I, and we are going to bring you uh, where we were right and where we were wrong. It's going to be really brief. Um, where we were right, Bama over OSU, we'll talk about it. Um, also, where I was right, Browns over Steelers. I believed Brown country, you should be excited. That was a heck of a big win for you. Um, where I was wrong, I had the Redskins beating the Bucks. Uh, I did say Tampa, but I thought that the Redskins might, I'm sorry, uh, Washington football team might pull it out, but they just couldn't. They didn't have Alex Smith, but Taylor Heineke played like a wizard. I uh, have no idea where that came from, but that will be really good for them moving forward if Alex Smith is hurt again. Um, Luke, let's move on to the NBA. Um, Kyrie Irving was spotted maskless at a private event. I think it was a family birthday party. Um, do you think the league is going to hold him accountable? The question I have for that is, if it was a no-name NBA player, what would be their reaction? And is there is there a difference for those who have some star power behind them and those who don't? I if it's a if it's like a private birth if it's like a family birthday party, he he might get like a slap on the wrist and then be like, "Don't do that again." Now we're gonna move on. But I feel like if he didn't have the star power he had, the consequences might might have been a little more drastic. I agree. Um, so I guess we'll see what they do. But um, Yeah, really, though. I, I, that'll be interesting. Yeah. So a lot of games are being canceled due to COVID, or some teams are playing with, like, nine or less players just to play the game. Um, is it possible that the league is just going to get shut down a while again? It's, it's entirely possible. I mean, the fact that we're having to deal with this now for two consecutive NBA seasons is absolutely horrendous. It, this, it's bad. And the league needs to find a way to figure this out. Whether they need – it's like you, they can't do another bubble like what they did last year because – the psychological impact on the players being away from family, being away from home, basically imprisoned within the Disney grounds of the sports complex in Orlando. It's not good for morale. And I don't think it's good for the, for the players. They need to find some other way to, um, to get these players playing again. And whether that's maybe, I think it's interesting when it comes to COVID, when you hear that a player has tested positive for COVID, what is the first question that comes to mind? The, that, the question that comes to mind immediately is not, oh, are they going to be okay? You know, are they going to, you know, are they going to have to be hospitalized? That's not the question that you ask. The question, the first question you ask is, okay, when will they be back? Yeah. I think that says something about the seriousness of COVID, of testing positive for COVID, especially among um, athletic, healthy men and women between ages 20 and 30 um, and 35. Um, so the, the, 
the the league needs to find out a better way than saying, oh, you tested positive, you know, you're gone. And maybe actually maybe have some, okay, do you have symptoms? How do you feel? Are you okay? Before they're like, yeah, you're positive, you're out. That'll be interesting. I, I fully believe that they may have to do another shutdown and then try to restart it again, but there's no way they're going to pull it off in Orlando. That's just not for 32 teams. That's, that's not, that's not going to happen or yeah. 30. It might be 30 teams. I'm sorry. I think it's 30 in the NBA. Yeah, yeah you're right. All right. Well, that's all we have for NBA this week. Let's move on to the NFL. The Eagles fired Doug Peterson. Um, this was kind of weird. A lot of reports came out that said it doesn't have to do with Wentz, but it kind of makes you feel like it might have to do with Wentz and about what they're going to do. Do you have any thoughts on a head coach? On a head coach for them? They really, I'm, I'm trying to remember how long Doug Peterson is, was with the Eagles, whether he was with them for the Super Bowl run. He was. He was. Okay. Well, the thing is, Doug Peterson, I don't think was the problem. I think the Eagles were just, you know, basically they, they ran across a patch of bad luck. And I think right now the Eagles might have been list. I don't, I'm not sure letting Peterson go was the best idea because right now they're listening to the clamors about, Oh, why did you put in, you know, the third string QB instead of letting, you know, Jalen Hurts play out the rest of the game and, you know, all the brouhaha over that. And so uh, the Eagles might be listening to a, too much negative press there. As to thoughts for, for, the, for the next head coach, I mean, we just had, like last week, we talked about a bunch of, you know, potential head coaches. I mean, you, you want to try to go for the best person. I don't really have any one name that stands out to me, but – you want to try to find someone who's going to be able to develop young talent at quarterback like Jalen, if he's going to be the face of the franchise going forward, or if it's going to be Carson Wentz, it really depends on what their views are on their personnel going forward. Yeah. Um, I had two thoughts on this whole news. Uh, one being, I think the biggest problem for the Eagles his name is called Howie Roseman. Um, he has been a terrible general manager for them in terms of the draft and everything that they've needed. Um, I think that's why Peterson was fired or stepped away or whatever happened there because Roseman has too much control. He's kind of taken away a lot of their really good picks by picking people that are okay. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, they could have had yeah. Justin Jefferson last year. <laughs> and they drafted someone else. They drafted Jalen Rieger. So I think Howie Roseman is the problem. Um, but I think as for thoughts on a head coach, um, it wasn't just the quarterback play that was the problem for the Eagles this year. It was the whole offense. The offense just didn't look good at all. Um, it made me think of Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator for the Bills. Um, it might be smart to put an offensive-minded coach in charge because – I mean, the offense and defense were both eh, uh, for the Eagles. But if you want your offense to be rejuvenated, I think having an offensive coordinator and an offensive-minded guy in charge is going to help you get recharged, especially if you move with a new quarterback being hurt. Um, so I guess we'll see 
but um, that was kind of my best thought on a head coach and kind of why I think they're struggling and why Peterson was kind of let go. Um, but anyhow, so we've talked about the Eagles. So we went through our playoff games, and we are now set with four new games for the playoff. Um, let's chat some matchups here. The first one, is, which is the most interesting to me, Browns versus Chiefs. What are your thoughts on that game? It to the casual football fan, the choice seems pretty clear. You want to go with the Chiefs, and and even me who follow who follows it, um, I I'd still lean towards the Chiefs because that offense is just is scary with Pat Mahomes leading the way, and then you have the, the number of weapons that he has. Um, however. The Browns have a much better running game. And if Baker Mayfield has found himself and is able to move the ball like they did against Pittsburgh. Now, granted, Pittsburgh's defense is nothing like it was at the beginning of the season because they sustained some major injuries over the course of the season. But if they can move the ball like that, you, I think there's a possibility for a very fun matchup in Kansas City. Yeah. Um. You know, I'm going to take the Browns, um, and I'll tell you why. Um, first of all, the Browns have kind of found themselves. They discovered what they needed in that game against the Steelers. This wasn't a, oh, we got lucky. No, they played well. Yes, they had a uh, end zone fumble recovery. They got two picks against Big Ben. They had some stuff that went their way. You know, in, in the regular season when I almost watched the Atlanta Falcons beat the Chiefs. The Chiefs won by three points, by the way. And some of these other games that they barely squeak past when they shouldn't, if they're that dominant, it makes me really question how dominant the Chiefs are going to be against the Browns team that's finally playing some solid defense and have kind of found themselves on offense. And I'm right there with you. If Mayfield has found himself, look out, because I think he could actually do some stuff. I think the Chiefs need to wake up and the Chiefs need to play really hard in this game to prove that they deserve to be in the Super Bowl again. Yeah. If the, if the Browns end up beating the Chiefs, you're going to see a bunch of Cleveland fans just absolutely go nuts. Because yeah. it, it won't matter yeah. if they win the Super Bowl or not. They'll just be excited they beat the Chiefs. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I don't, I agree with you, though. I don't think it's going to be as black and white as everybody thinks. Yeah, I I think it's going to be close, and I'll take the Browns. I mean, I I don't want to bet against Baker Mayfield and, and uh, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and uh, Jarvis Landry. But you're willing to bet against Pat Mahomes? Yeah, Pat's struggled multiple times this year. Wow. So I'm going to say I'm going to call it um, Super Bowl uh, fatigue, just to see what happens. But I could be wrong. They yeah. could come out and they could blow out the Browns. It could happen, but I just think the Browns might have enough behind them and have a better desire to want to win. So we'll see. Those dogs are hungry. The dog pound is hungry. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Uh, Buccaneers and Saints. This is about, I think, of all the matchups right now, this is about the closest that there is to 50-50. I... 
I look at this and I go, any te- any one of these teams can win, and they and they're very they're very very similar. You have older quarterbacks um, with not a ton of weapons, but a good ground game going for them, and some quality defensive play. I do I lean towards the Saints because the Saints have Alvin Kamara. And the Buccaneers don't. It's clear that Kamara will be the star running back. And if the Saints can run the ball well and then have Drew Brees throw it well and have that balance, their offense is going to be doing very, very well. I don't see that kind of balance coming as much. Ronald Jones might have a breakout game but I don't see as great a chance for balance offensively that I, I see that with Tampa Bay as much as I do with Camara and Breeze on the Saints end of the ball. Okay. Um, I'm also going to take the Saints. Um, I It's not that Brady doesn't have weapons. Brady has plenty of weapons. My gosh, he's got plenty of weapons. But it's he just doesn't seem to be using them as much as we thought that they would. Because he's got Mike Evans, he's got Chris Godwin, he's got Gronk, he's got Ronald Jones, he's got Antonio Brown, he's got all these big names, but he I, yeah, he just doesn't put it together, which doesn't make sense to me. But I think this is where the Buccaneers are gonna stumble. Their defense is much better than the Saints. I'll give them that. Their defense is really good. But I agree with you. If they can get the ground game going and get it out to Michael Thomas and um uh, I can't think of anybody else right now because my brain's kind of shutting off because it's late. <laughs> uh, but Don't they still can, have Emmanuel Sanders, maybe? They do, yeah. Okay. Um, if they can start finding some short passes to kind of open up the run game for Kamara, um, I think the Saints will have the edge here and the Saints will walk away with it. The Saints have been so close for so many years that all you got to do is get past the Buccaneers and you're so close. Granted, the team you may play may knock you out, but Hey, you're getting closer. It's good. Um, so let's talk about the next game. I think this one's going to be a snooze fest, uh, but it's Rams Packers. Packers. Yeah. Hands down. Yeah. I really think the Packers are the team to beat coming out of the NFC. Mm-hmm. And it would shock me if anyone other than the way the Packers are playing right now, it would shock me if anyone other than the Packers came and, found a seat at the Super Bowl out of the NFC. It's Jared Goff. He's a garbage can. How has he made it this far? Like, I am just shocked that Russell Wilson and Co. couldn't put them away. Granted, the Rams' defense is good. The Rams' defense is really good. Hey, when but, you have Aaron Donald on holding together your defensive line, you've got a good thing going. But you, you have to be able to score consistently. And they did score 30 points, so... Who knows? It might not look pretty, but if it works, it works. Right. Either way, I'll still take the Packers. The Packers uh, are too dominant on offense for me to say, oh, they're not going to pull it out. You've got yeah, Aaron no. You've got Aaron Jones, and I don't even have to talk about the pass game because we already know about Devontae Adams. Almost said Smith. <laughs> uh, I wonder what's on your mind. Yeah, a little bit. Um, but it's just too dominant. And for all my Packers friends – Dude, this is the best matchup you could have had in this game is to have the Rams. I think it would have been worse for you to have the Seahawks. 
I think it's much better for you to have the Rams. The Rams are manageable. Play some good defense, and Goff's not going to do a dang thing. Um, yeah. So we're both in agreement on that one. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have a hard time with the next one. It's Ravens-Bills. Um, go ahead, Luke. I, I know Brad's not going to like this, but I do believe the Bills pull this one out. The Bills right now have looked like one of the more dominant teams in the NFL at this point. Um, Josh Allen is playing like a man possessed. They're finding a very, very, very good stride offensively and defensively. Um, I just don't see the Ravens have been far too inconsistent for me to pull for them against this team. If, if they win more power to them, but, and also part of me is Buffalo. Buffalo is also one of those fan bases like Cleveland that is hungry. They want to get that four Super Bowl in a row and not be able to win any of them. They want to get that out of their mouth. That's what they're thinking about. And they think about, we have a legitimate chance to go to the Super Bowl this year. Let's go and let's bring one home. Let's go get it and come back with it. Uh, so that's, I, I see the Bills as a very, very hungry team right now. And I don't see, I don't think Lamar and company are going to be able to keep up with them. I agree. Um, I think it'll be closer than what we're thinking just because the Ravens showed a a lot more grit than I thought they would against the Titans. Um, Their defense held, came up with some key uh, turnovers when we needed it and stops. Um, However, no one can stop Stephon Diggs right now. And that is my biggest concern. Um, Josh Allen is going to find his man. Josh Allen is going to make us pay for it unless Marcus Peters and uh, um, I told you names are just not flowing with me. Though. That's okay. <laughs> he's 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 um he's high on a national championship, ladies and gentlemen. Just a little. So. <laughs> um, but I think the secondary will have a good shot against Stephon Diggs. But the problem is Stephon Diggs is not the only part of that elite offense. Um, so I think it'll be the Bills but I'm hoping it'll be a close game. Um, Lamar, I think after winning his first game, I think he finally got rid of all the jitters of being in the playoffs. He's going to show up, but I don't know that we're going to have enough to get over the Bills. Yeah, I would tend to agree. Yeah. All right, so we wrapped up the playoffs, and we haven't done Fix Me for a while, um, so I thought we could kind of come back to Fix Me, and this week we're going to talk about the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, Luke, do you have any ideas where to start with fixing the Bengals? Get Burrow an O-line. You have to protect that kid. And that, that kid can be the face of your franchise if you can protect him and not have him constantly get hit back there. If you can't, you need to be, because every good offense starts with a quality offensive line. People like to go for the flashy stuff like quarterbacks and receivers and running backs. It's amazing what a, what an average running back can do with a great offensive line. It's amazing what an average quarterback can do with an amazing offensive line. You've got to get quality 
old and if you can get a quality O line going and get Joe Burrow some protection, you'll see improvement overnight. So protect your asset. You just spent the number one pick on Joe Burrow. Protect your investment. Get the man an O line. Yeah. Um, I agree. O line would have been my first move. My second move is to either fire the defensive coordinator or to really invest in the defense. Because as much as you can keep Burrow upright, you can't just keep scoring and scoring and scoring and expect to win. Eventually, your offense is going to get tired. And I'll be honest with you, that Bengals defense is kind of crap. Um, invest in some guys in free agency. Bring in some older veterans. Draft some young guys. Put them together. Let them learn. That's the only way that you're going to be successful. And you're in a very difficult division. You got the Browns, the Ravens, and the Steelers. You got to have a good defense to compete in there somewhere. Um, yeah. yeah. Regardless of an O-line, if you have no defense, the Steelers are going to kill you. The Ravens are going to murder you. And the Browns are going to have your number at all times. So I think those are the two big moves. I definitely that agree about that O-line, though. That mm -hmm. O-line is so, so necessary because Burrow was great. Burrow had a great year. But he got hurt. Why? Because he took too many hits. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's it's playing with fire if you can't protect your investment. Right. All right. Well, we've done fix me. We're going to move on to the NCAA. Obviously, there was a big game last night that two of us were very invested in. Um, Alabama, Ohio State, fifty-two to twenty-four. Alabama kind of ran away with it. Let's talk about the game. All right. Me, where, I, where I'm coming from, I, I've, I've said this multiple times to Brad already. There are two types of college football teams in the world. There are the Devonta Smiths haves and there are the Devonta Smith have nots. And it, that, that difference was no, was no clearer. It, it's never been clearer than it was last night. I believe the game, even if Ohio State was at full strength for the duration of that game, I still think Alabama would have won. The reason why it was such a lopsided victory is that it, Alabama started running away with this game the moment Justin Fields took Skalski's helmet to his ribs in the Clemson game. And when he wasn't 100%, I mean, he, I'd say last night he was maybe 85 to 90%, but he wasn't his run with abandon, run um, and just truck people like sometimes he could, sometimes he could do. He, he, he wasn't that guy. Um, I also, and then it just got progressively worse from that point, even before the game started. COVID took its toll. Um during the course of the week and when Ohio state lost the usage of Tommy Togiai and Tyreek Smith, two of their elite pass rushers. If you, they, if you could have seen a bit more pressure on Mac Jones, um, and then what we saw last night, I think it could have been a, maybe a slightly different story, at least more competitive. I still think Alabama would have won. And then the piece de resistance, was first snap Ohio State losing Trey Sermon for the duration of the game and the 
I, I hope that he's doing all right. And they had they had to take him to the hospital yeah. after that hit that he took to his arm. And I hope he's okay. Um, it's it it was just it was just really bad luck for Ohio State all around, and that's what caused the blowout. I believe if you didn't see those, you probably would have still seen an Alabama victory, but it certainly would have been closer. Um, something that someone had brought up, we were talking with our friends this morning, kind of chatting about the game. Um, and somebody had made the point that maybe Ohio state shouldn't have been there. Um, and the argument was, you know, the things to take out Alabama is an elite quarterback, a good defense and a great passing game. Ohio state had those and Ohio state was the best at those and they still lost. So the question was, is Alabama really that head and shoulders above everybody else? I think yes. Um, truthfully, I do, um, not because I'm a fan, but just watching. It's not even a well-oiled machine anymore. It's a well-oiled nuclear missile. It's just point, click, and destroy. It, it's it's um, impressive, um, mm-hmm. annoying probably, uh, but impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 I have some opinions about the NCAA that I think also need to be addressed. Um I all praise goes to Nick Saban and what he's been able to do with that program. Like some, like some have said, it's like he's been playing NCAA 14 dynasty and for so long. And with the difficulty toned so far down that, you know, it's grown boring and now he's going to have to start over at someplace like Hawaii. But um, here's, here's my personal opinion on the whole thing. Nick Saban with the Alabama Crimson Tide has won six titles in 12 years. If that were happening, I mean, and Brad is an Alabama fan. If this were happening to any other team, I mean, if it was happening to Ohio State, I'd probably have blinders to it. But if it was happening to any other team, we'd be saying something might not be right with college football, that one team can have that kind of success over that much of an extended period of time. I'm looking at it and I'm going, why is college basketball so competitive and college football? You only see the same four or five teams every now and again. And one specific team, one specific team can win six titles in 12 years. You need, there needs to be a conversation, I believe, about further expanding the playoff so that on the recruiting trail, smaller schools with smaller programs can still say players can have the opportunity to play for a championship because that is what is getting these players to come to these schools. And people go to Alabama because they know they're basically going to have a chance to play in a national championship game at least once every other year and more likely than not win it. And some of these other schools, it's the same, whether it be Clemson or Ohio State or an Oklahoma. But so there needs to be a change so there isn't this complete and total monopoly in college football anymore. And this is what makes me laugh. Not not from what you said, I agree. It needs to be expanded. I've said it multiple times. It should be eight teams. But here's what makes me laugh with Saban and Alabama. They did change it to keep Alabama out and you can't keep Alabama out. That's the problem. They built it to keep them out and you can't, you got to get good. 
Recruiting is the name of the game. You're one of the top recruiting teams. So is Oklahoma. So is like some of these other teams. So at some point, it's either recruiting yeah, but or at one coaching. point does at one point does you know the chicken lays the egg, and from the egg comes the chicken. At what point is the opportunity to go to the playoff and the opportunity to win the championship is what is driving these players to go to the exact same schools over and over again. and just becomes a vicious cycle. So there needs to be a way like in college basketball, where you wait, where like literally any team can be good. I mean, you do see a lot of the same teams over and over again, and that's just quality programs. But you do see some differences. You can see a butler come in and wish win almost win a national championship, at least play for a national championship in some year. So you need to see at least some pretense to parity. And I believe an expansion to the college football playoff would at least bring about some more parity. It certainly brought about more parity than the BCS. But now we, it, it, it was a small step in the right direction, but not a sufficient step. I, I agree and disagree. I agree that it needs to be expanded, but I don't think expanding it will fix the problem. And the problem is we have undefeated teams that sit outside looking in every year. UCF was one of them. UCF should have had a chance. Um, this year it was uh, Cincinnati. Yeah. Cincinnati was undefeated and looked outside in. And yet we have these teams that will lose games like Clemson and still have a chance to get in against the team they lost to, Notre Dame, who then lost to Clemson. How is it both of those teams were able to still be in the top four when we have an undefeated team sitting outside? The problem is not necessarily with the playoffs. It's with the selection committee to bring it in. And I think if we move to eight teams, the problem is still going to remain the same. You might have a nine and three Georgia team that gets into the eight slot instead of an undefeated team. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you want to hear a radical proposition? Hmm. I think eight teams is the minimum. I believe the ideal scenario is 16. 16. Yeah. yeah. If you have 16 teams, watch all of a sudden players can look at and see quality coaches there because there are quality coaches at small schools all over the place. Cincinnati, you have a very quality coach there. Uh, Boston College, you have, I believe, uh, Chris Ash is there right now. Um, you go over there and there, there will be a – there are good coaches all over the place. And then it's just a matter of getting to the playoff, getting a chance to play for that national championship. And wa- watch these good players start to go to those schools. Because it'll start happening. It started happening a little bit when they went from two to four. But that only helps like two schools every year right? outside of the current system. If you go to 16, that helps 12 more schools yeah. and a ton more schools that are competing for those extra 12 spots. So that, that's, I think 16 is the way to go personally. Yeah. You know, I'm being reminded about something from last episode. Was it 30 seconds or was it a minute that Kyle had uh, held us to about talking about the other team? I think I've already fulfilled that because I talked about how dominant Devonta Smith was. 
And then there are those who have it and there are those who don't have them. And Alabama was the one who had him. Nick Saban is playing, is coaching like a madman, even late into his career. Six championships in 12 years is astounding in any sport, no matter how, you know, broken the playoff system may be. Uh, Mac Jones, quality kid. He's going to be able to make some good. He definitely upped his draft stock this postseason. So, and it looks like they're looking to um, relock and reload for next season as well. The, the Crimson Tide are, 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 ain't going nowhere. I just hope that, you know, you. maybe some, some team up in Columbus can maybe start making some noise themselves. Yeah. Well, you did. You went all the way to the national championship. That's not nothing to be, like, not proud of, especially. Yeah, no, no. And in, in, in a COVID year, nonetheless. And I do believe that this Ohio State team overperformed this year. You look at, and this is another thing that I was talking about with some of our friends. I would have loved to have seen the 2019 Ohio State team up against this Alabama team. You can't tell me that um, Jeff Okuda, Jordan Fuller, and Damon Arnett wouldn't have shored that secondary up in a massive way. And then you have Chase Young coming off the edge. I mean... Mac Jones would have at least had his hands full. I mean, if he doesn't find a way to get the ball out quickly, he's not going to be Mac Jones for much longer. He's going to be Mac and cheese. So I would have just chosen to say, I would have liked Alabama's team last year with Tua Tungabaloa and Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs and Devontae Smith. And like, we both can play that game, but uh, I just, I think it was a good game regardless um, I don't think there was anybody better that could have been paired up against us. Uh, Clemson obviously showed that. Nice job, Clemson, to uh, get your butts handed to you. Uh, mm-hmm. I will always be happy about that. But uh, let's go ahead and transition into Are You For Real? Luke, you kind of touched on yours a little bit, but go ahead and let us know exactly what it is that you're Are You For Real? Uh, I, I, I've talked about it a little bit. However, um. I am going to look at what you brought up recently, which is the ESPN way too early top 25. And I do want to ask what in the, I, there are two, two teams up there in the top five that I'm going, are you for real about? The first one is Clemson. I am not happy with how high they are ranked there, especially since, they just got a ma- they just had a massive loss to end their season and they are losing so many critical pieces the le- uh, as a the most significant of which is Trevor Lawrence i do believe it is going to take them some time to rebuild and get back to that dominant um position they're not going to be I, I don't think they're going to be have a chance to win a championship. They might get to the playoff. I don't think they're going to win a championship uh, this next year. And I don't think you're, we're going to see them as dominant, anywhere near as dominant as they were this year, let alone enough to be ranked number one. The second team that I have a problem with is Georgia at number four. If there is any team that recruits at the level of uh, – that recruits at a high level and then does – very, very little with that talent. It is Georgia. 
and to put them above the likes of an Ohio State who is going to be coming back. They have a lot. Ohio State is not losing a lot of pieces, especially on defense. They're losing a couple linebackers, but they are going to be Ohio State's going to be back. Oklahoma is going to be playing well. Alabama is certain. I think Alabama personally might be number one or at least number two. I think they, they're at a good spot in number two. But Georgia, I don't think belongs anywhere near the top five. They Are they top 10? I believe so, but not the top five. And Clemson probably is top five, but definitely not number one. So ESPN, are you for real? This That's these two teams don't belong anywhere near where they are. Yeah. Um, my re will be really quick. Lee Corso. <laughs> Every time we play in a big game, you pick the other team. I remember the first time I experienced it when you picked Texas in 2009 over Alabama. And man, was it real nice watching Mark Ingram stomp all over Texas and beat the crap out of them with our first Heisman winner we had ever had in Alabama. You better get on out of here, uh, Lee Corso. Are you for real? I cannot believe you picked Ohio State. Like, no offense, Luke. I just can't believe you picked Ohio State knowing who the Hey, hey you know what? Out. Hey, you know what? Huh. Lee, Lee Corso, I've gotten to the point where you don't want Lee Corso picking you. Yeah. If Lee Corso picks you, you should be worried. <laughs> it's true. I just want the respect. Yeah, no, but so, you know, getting Lee Corso's respect is almost a bad thing at this point. It's true. So, so don't get too mad at him. He might have jinxed us even further than what Ohio State needed to be jinxed. Fair. All righty. Well, we covered that. I'm going to move into hot take this week. It's going to be really quick. Uh, my hot take is the Buccaneers ain't all that. Brady, you're about to lose. Um, you know – he left looking for greener pastures with better weapons and a better defense, better everything, which the Patriots clearly showed they didn't have it this year. Um, just because you move to a different team doesn't mean that you're immediately going to a Super Bowl, Tom Brady. Tom Brady, you ain't all that. You ain't all that. You're getting old. I think it's about time that you get your butt kicked because you're on the Tampa Bay retirement home, man. Like you're about to play, you're about to play the Saints. The Saints are about to give it to you. Alvin Kamara, who is an SEC boy, is about to run all over you. And I'm gonna enjoy it. But I'm just gonna say it. The Buccaneers ain't all that. They're not gonna be a big old threat. Even if they win, big deal. You're gonna have to face what? The Packers? I think it would be the Packers, right? Yeah, good luck with that one. Yeah, you ain't all that. Yeah, I, I would I would tend to agree. I think I, I do believe it's about as close to a 50-50 matchup against the Saints. I do think the Saints though will come away with it. Yeah. Whoever's coming out of that game, I believe will lose to the Packers. Yep. So it's it's really now a contest to see who gets to lose to the Packers right now. Okay. And then whoever the Packers have to face in the Super Bowl, we will see. I do think he's got some good I do think the Packers have will have some good competition in the Super Bowl, but right now they're the team to beat coming out of the NFC. Yep. All right, let's move on to Factor Fiction. I will feed you these, and we'll see what you think. All righty. Um, Russell Westbrook is washed up. Is that Factor Fiction? 
I think it's fiction. He just needs a good defense to back him up. He don't have that. If, yeah, no, the, the Seahawks don't have that at all. No, no. The fact that Russell Westbrook. Oh, Westbrook. I was thinking Wilson. That's all right. Yes. Russell Westbrook is washed up, I do believe. Because he's a he's a point guard from another age. Yeah. He's from another era. He you need a point guard right now who can space the floor and can get the ball to other scorers. He's not that kind of point guard. He's the kind of point guard that will drive down a lane. He's he's basically a small forward in a point guard's body. Yeah. He and he can dunk it. He can do a lot of things offensively that many point guards can't do. The problem is the stuff that he can do that most point guards can't do. Most point guards don't need to do. And the stuff that point guards need to do, Russell Westbrook can't do. Right. So that's that's the problem with Russell Westbrook. And that's the paradox of Russell Westbrook. So is he washed up? I, I hesitate to use the term washed up, but his style just doesn't fit anymore. It's true. The Sixers might have kept winning if not for COVID problems. Fact or fiction? I'm going to say fact. I do believe they were on a roll. You might not have seen the success sustained over a really long period of time, enough to really be successful, maybe deep into a postseason. But the fact that they were on a roll and then COVID showed up and took away some major weapons from them and then they start losing, you have to say that COVID played some role in it and they would have kept going with how hot they were you however whether they would have stayed hot i'm not i'm not entirely sure of right trey sermon is still better than master teague despite two touchdowns from master teague in the title game i would say fact it was an enormous blow to ohio state's already pitiful chances at that point to win that game master teague he tried his best and i love the kid he he did try his best however he doesn't have the wiggle and the the agility that trey sermon was able to bring to the table the fact that trey sermon was coming off two huge games two from uh, against northwestern who had a very good defense a better defense than a lot of people give them credit for and Clemson. Those were two huge games for Trey Sermon. And I think that really hurt Ohio state to lose him at the first snap. The Seahawks won't smell a Super Bowl again with Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll fact or fiction. Not without, not without a defense to back him up. If they can't get a defense to back him up, no, he, he, Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson won't be able to touch a Super Bowl or anything close to it. If they can get a defense again, if they can bring back the likes of a Richard Sherman and really make it so that teams can't move the ball against them, then, it, then it's a different conversation entirely. But if the status quo stays the status quo, no. Last one, Saban is the GOAT of college football coaches. 
fact or fiction? That's just obvious. Of course he is. It's, it's, it gotten to the, again, it's gotten to the point where, you know, he says, you know what, I'm just going to go to this tiny over tiny little school in Miami. And then, you know, in five years, win a national championship. It, 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 it's ridiculous. The amount of success that he has had. I do believe part of it is college football needing to change their structure a little bit, but most of the credit does go to Saban and he gets kudos from me. He's getting kudos from all across the college football world and he is more than deserving. All right. Well, that's the end of factor fiction. We don't have any buzzer beater questions this week. Um, however, if you want to listen to us, you can find us in a lot of places, but the easiest place to find us is at anchor.fm slash jocks of all trades. You can download the app or you can go onto the website and we have everything all in one nice little place for you for, for you to follow and listen to us. And that's all we have. See you guys.